Wayne, we were just talking before we came on air uh, about who had Manchester United's only shot on target yesterday at St. James's Park. Worked out that it was Alejandro Garnacho in the 11th minute. I couldn't remember it myself. That was Dyer. Yeah, yeah, it was. Not Kieran Dyer. And it was the nope. idea, Kieran Dyer and Lee Bowyer with the fisticuffs and everything. Could have done with some of that yesterday. Yeah, yeah, there was no fire in, in that either, was it? It's just like a very, very limp defeat. And you know, like we said on, on Wednesday night, that it felt, or United felt like it was a rerun of the previous Champions League games. Well, this, I, we've seen this defeat at Newcastle four times in in recent years and it's yeah it is pretty scary to to watch a game pan out exactly the same way and so many of the basics um be seemingly misunderstood by the players because i know we're going to talk a lot about the manager because there's no hiding place for it but there are so many basics that were lacking in yesterday's performance, and it was so. It, that's one of the distressing things to see as a supporter is when those kind of things are, are lacking, because you can tell with this Manchester United side, and I said this side, I know it's had various reimaginings since 2013, but you know that when they don't start a game right, it's very, very unlikely that they're going to sort of pull something yeah. out of the bag. And yeah, it was, it was. Pretty poor, actually. From from the word go yesterday, it was we sort of knew yeah. that nothing good was going to happen out of it. So yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, Ten Hag invented a new tactical system for yesterday's game called the Donut because there was absolutely nothing in midfield. And if you look at the average position of all the players, saw that it, yeah. it, it, it was that of the front six, so or front whatever. Marcus Rashford was the deepest. He, like an average position. And he had a dreadful game, Rashford. One of the very, very worst I've ever seen from him. But he actually managed to do some defending. Everyone else forgot that that was there in their mandate. It no, was I, all I, over the place. I, I would think that is... I'm not, I don't want to argue with you, Ed, because I think we're splitting it no, over please a point. do. But <laughs> I, I would think if anyone was... <laughs> watching yesterday's game and came away with the conclusion, based on eyes, not on, on numbers and graphs, that Rashford was one of the most defensive players yesterday. I would That might have something to do with United's average average positions being a bit deeper because of how much they were doing, um, def- yeah. how much they were forced to do defensively. But I, I'm telling you that he was one of the poorest, um, and I'm not talking about attacking displays, I'm talking about, What's the most responsible way of phrasing something like this? It, it felt like a lack of accountability from Rashford and Martial in particular. And the reason why, and, and there are so many reasons, I know we'll get into all of them. The reason why that goal felt inevitable early in the second half was primarily because of Rashford and Martial and something that Newcastle had been cotton in on from the start. They should have been aware of it before the game. They probably were, but he became dreadfully aware as, as time went on, was that they were pretty much absent in terms of what they were going to do defensively. They weren't doing any running at all. They were Marshall at no, best, I agree. is static. Garnacho, actually, I felt, was doing a bit of um, preparation. But the problem that you've got, I said defensive preparation, he was getting into decent areas and trying to cover his position. But the problem that you've got when you've got at least one player, because I think today's 
game in terms of football, I'm talking as a sport, is more about athleticism and movement rather than individual skill. So if you've got two poor teams who are generally athletically well-matched, then it's a matter of movement, just a matter of wearing down an opponent or catching someone out through not working hard enough. Or And that's what, you know, United is so easy to get on those kind of goals. And you see that the issue that you get is if you get one player is bad enough because it's just a matter of wearing them down. But if you get two players who are not doing the work, then it's so much easier for them to pull two players out of position uh, other players out of position I'm talking about because they're having to okay, cover. Yeah. And like M- McTominay yeah. is um, a great example of a player who is honest. I know that before we've talked about him hiding sometimes, but at least he's honest and he tries. He's not obviously tactically naive to get pulled at all over in situations like that as he was, but at least he's there and he was, he was mm. trying to do something. And United, they were asking for that goal to be conceded from the minute that they didn't make the changes at half time and, and bring Martial and Rashford off and I know he responded after that but it was too late by then and, yeah. and you you are going to concede goals like that when your players are not running and covering the positions that they should be covering and and we've right. been here like we played the, the the point sorry just to finish on this little point because it is just about the goal but it, this is their performances at this ground over years that we've seen this happen again and again and not just on in this on this ground in this game against Newcastle against other opponents every single week we see it and yes all right now you start pointing the finger at the manager and he obviously um, was sick of it to change it after the goal but it's too late by then and it's too many times it's too late and um, we've we've paid the price dearly yesterday but I'm just I'm just making the point just to ramble on to the point you were making about the stack graph. And, and Rashford's positioning and it looked like he was the deepest one. Well, it only takes a moment and we had, they had so yeah. many of those moments yesterday that we were, we were about to get one. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, Rashford and myself particularly poor. I, I don't know why Rashford's in this deep slump. Ten Hag is defending him every week now and, uh, he's, I was going to say he's not one to publicly throw anyone under the bus unless they do it first. Uh, and then, yeah. then he's happy to reverse back over them as well. But uh, he's been defending. He's been defending Rashford. Uh, Martial was completely static. I mean, I, I don't know why we expect anything else from him at this stage. Garnacho, I just don't. He's not a very. He's a willing presser. He's not a very good defender. I mean, the ball came down his side, and I, I thought both our fullbacks got doubled up on a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah, and and part of that is because what does Ten Hag want? He wants United to play. A bit higher up and he wants to press from the front, right? It's just the modern way. And we kind of know that's what he did with his Ajax team. And we know that it's what he wants. Problem is, you know, they're completely hollowed out in the middle. So they don't do the pressing from the front. The first line is easy to bypass for Newcastle. Yeah. It was every single time. And then there was immediately pressurizing us. Scott is honest. He's a willing runner. He's just. He's not very capable. It's 22 passes yesterday. I feel like I mention this every week. He's just not involved as a midfielder. And I mean, my new, I think he struggled a little bit. He wasn't nearly as influential as he was against Everton. Uh, I don't mind him being in there because I know the kind of quality and class he's got. He's a young kid, second Premier League game. Can't expect too much. So, but he couldn't have any kind of influence. He was swamped by Newcastle's midfield and, and United were, were pretty also like uh, the other structural problem apart from the lack of pressing from the front and the lack of uh, ball playing in midfield uh, was just how deep United got and 
Harry has been in a good, rich vein of form for him, I think. He's been playing well in recent weeks, shall we say. But it does mean United have to defend fairly deep with him. And so we trade off defensive positioning for the passing out of the back. And Ten Hag's willingly making that trade-off right now. He wasn't willing to do that for much of last season. Now uh, he seems yeah. happy too for some reason. But it just meant United were always quite deep and then basically ended up looking for long balls uh, and it just got recycled to Newcastle won almost every second ball. Don't yeah. have any data on that one. It just felt like they did. No, evidence of your eyes and that's fair. Look, I mean, the Maguire thing is... It's a really good acid test for Manchester. It's a barometer of where United are in terms of the performance. Because if Maguire is in and he's playing well, United are generally struggling, which is a bit unfair. But he is playing well, and he was one of the better players yesterday. But United have been in a poor vein of form, and you're quite right. They do need to change. It does necessitate a change. But I did. I do think we saw. Yeah, all right. You are right in terms of it being a, a choice by Ten Hag, but I do think. You look at the options that we've got, and he's gone, all right, Martinez isn't in. Varane doesn't trust now, for whatever reason. Maybe it's a, a sort of thing like he trusts Lindelof and he trusts Shaw, and he can trust Maguire in terms of durability rather than reliability of form. At least he's there to be counted on. So in that, maybe he's making a concession, like we can't play the way, the way that we want. So it's something that we've talked about periodically Um Throughout the season, really, you know, like the tactics that, that we've used, and it's something that I, I've, I've talked about, like, from the start of this injury crisis, you're going to bring in players, and we've got an A team and we've got a B team. It's like A choice of players, and then you, you lose players from that selection, and then you are Im- immediately making drastic changes in terms of, like, the way that you play, because all of those players have been brought through... Yeah like different managers and they all do facilitate different styles of play. So we're having to defend deeper or we're having to play defended a different kind of way and build up is obviously a part of that. But the problem is, is that obviously it's not very good with the, with the beast B selection <laughs> of players. I look at or it just like, generally, but yeah, yeah, no, no, because I think, I do think, but football is, is, is a game that can run away from you and it's all about momentum and form. I do think that with the right selection, there's obviously a plan. We know what that plan is. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's quite clear to see. We, we keep hold of the ball. We move it around. We're quite good at doing that. And we've got fast breaks and everything. All of that is quite clearly identifiable. We, we push higher. We're more aggressive. We're more tenacious when we've got a full complement. You miss two or three players in that team and the squad's so weak. And he does come back. I know I bang on about this every single time I'm on, but the disparity between the the players who were lost, who were sort of moved on in this sort of squad purge from him, and then the players that we're left with, because you've got Martial who's just got no motivation to do anything. Now I know that I bang on. I knew, I know that I bang on that drum, and I know that I've been doing that this week. So what I thought is I'll, I'll try and think of different ways to to address the point. Say the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, no, no. To say the same thing, to say something a little bit different, to make the point a little bit of a All different right. way. So. One of the things I was thinking is that earlier on in the season, sort of early September, where we knew there was a few injury problems that became a crisis, and we knew that really there was such a significant change to the way that we were going to play, firstly through Martinez, but then through different players who became unavailable. And at the start of that run, it was kind of like a long 
long-term thing where we knew that a lot of these players would be missing for months. So certainly with Martinez and Shaw, we knew it would be around Christmas time. And Shaw's, a, I guess, a little bit earlier than expected. Martinez back in training, but it's around the, about that time. So we knew mm-hmm. there'd be bumps for the way that we were going to play. And we knew that it wasn't going to be the same kind of performances as, as we saw last season. And could it have been better? Yes, it could have been better. In this period of time I'm talking about, could we have expected better mm-hmm. from the manager? Has there been moments in there, in this run, where you thought it's been better than what we might have expected? It could have been, yes, I guess sometimes, but overall it's been poor. And I think I've expected that. I think with each passing result and each passing performance, does the responsibility get pointed back at Tenor? Because you look at him and you say... We might not expect more from the players because a lot of them us are used to it, but you get frustrated with the managers, um, he, the way that he sticks with the same players. But I, I come back to this point about chopping and changing the managers because this is what happens when you do that, is that players get a longer stay of execution, Martial being the, sure. the biggest example of that. And I know that we and are, we've had many others. Yeah, and I know that the point is I'm saying a lot, Ed, is that I know that we're going to talk about Ten Hag, but I know that I've been saying a lot of these things throughout the season. Mm-hmm. I just want to try and put it in a different kind of way to sort of say, I knew I, I've been aware. I'm, I'm disappointed after every result. I'm disappointed after every poor performance. But when when I look at it over a long-term period, I think, no, I, w- I was expecting this. And I didn't expect it to be much better because I know the players. I might have I wanted a miracle to be worked from the manager, but really we're not in a world of miracles and it's what it is. So. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I know what you're saying. I, I think, I think the, and, and I, I, I know what you're saying about the Frankenstein squad as well. And, and it's kind of clear when we deviate away from the players that Ten Hag wants or has brought in and, and the very lengthy injury list has, has meant that. That the quality drops and the motivation drops because some of the players that were in that team yesterday perhaps weren't expecting to be at the club anymore. Yeah. And uh, United had offers for for McTominay, would love to get rid of Martial, and had an offer for Harry Maguire as well. You know, th- there's three different performance levels there from those players, um, and you can kind of praise McTominay's effort, if not his quality, because it's quite low. You can praise Maguire's sort of resolve to get his way back into the team, which he has done. I'm not sure we can say much praise for Martial, but you know the overall point you're making about how the injuries have really impacted, uh, impacted what was going to come out of this team. It's very true. I guess the thing I'm most disappointed about is it looked like less than the sum of the parts, even if the parts are not all there. Yeah, you know, if I. Yeah, and that's the kind of disappointing thing. And I've said this before, but I feel like Ted Hag moved away from his A plan, you know, the philosophy that he wanted and has kind of been working from week to week uh, over the last few months. And, and, yeah, his style has changed as a result. And it's wildly different from game to game. Would you not think that? Um, Sorry to interrupt on that point, but we did did see him last season try the A game with the players who weren't capable of it. So we saw him try Maguire and stuff. So I'm I'm not I'm not saying the right or wrong. You know, I'm just asking you as a supporter, and we both accept kind of what we're seeing as par for for this group of players who who are in the squad. Would you have rather seen? And I guess I guess probably you are going to. Say that you rather have seen the change. 
would you rather have seen Tenog at least be defiant and stick with the plan A or or try this like try to play to the player's strengths, which I think he's tried to do and it's not it's not worked very well. But then I all I always come back to the thing that he's gonna get criticized either way. And the first way would have been, well, he doesn't have a plan B. And I'm not saying this is a strong plan B, it's not very convincing. Sure, sure yeah. But you know where I'm coming from with that. It's, it's, it's obviously catch-22 for him. I don't think these yeah. players, I don't think there's a strong answer from these players either way. And I don't blame that on the manager. I think we've seen enough evidence of most of the players to say it's on the players. And I don't think there's an hiding place for that. The 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 yeah, inevitable consequences. I, I, I guess on the continuum, sorry, I interrupted you then. On the continuum between like philosophy, like Louis van Gaal, he wouldn't change that. Whatever happened, right, to total pragmatism. Mourinho, he's, he'd, he'd play tiki-taka one week and park the bus the next and whatever. I, I, I'm beginning to think that Ten Hag is way more pragmatic than perhaps I thought first time out. And I, I think I, maybe I'm saying the same thing a different way, right, which is I thought we'd get more of the philosophy and he had kind of abandoned that. For better or worse, and we can call it plan B, or he's being super pragmatic, or he's trying to get results with the players he's got because he doesn't want all of them and don't doesn't think they can play. In fact, he said it, didn't he? Didn't he earlier this year? He said uh, in a interview with uh, the Telegraph, he said, "No, we can't ever play the Ajax way with the group of players we've got." So he's kind of recognised that. I'm just, I was just a little bit surprised he's gone that pragmatic. In fact, yesterday wasn't really about that anyway. It was just a shockingly bad performance with yeah. you know effort levels from far too many of the players that are much lower than we could expect or demand as a minimum, and and then. Those players who are playing well, either not good enough, not suitable, or just not in very good form. And then as a result, we were, it was a 1 0 battering. I mean, we were under pressure for the whole game apart from the last five minutes. In fact, the, uh, I don't know whether you've ever seen those attacking momentum charts. They're basically cumulative XG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Over, yeah, right. So that one's hilarious yesterday because that's, yeah, this, this was how. I mean, not to be really rude, but basically how a lower division side would go to a Premier League side in the, in the FA Cup or something. United were just un- totally unable to get out, retain possession, create, create good chances until right at the end of the game. Yeah. And when it got desperate, I guess. And I guess by that time, Ten Hag made five changes as well. Yeah. So, so there's, there's, there's the issue around structure and tactics. And then there's the issue around philosophy or pragmatism. And then there's just stinking out the place, which probably eight players did yesterday. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the Ten Hag point with something I will be critical on. It was a point I made on the midweek pod, um, about the senior players that we've got, the stopgap senior players. And, you know, if you're playing as, insipid as we were and you've got 10 minutes left you've got to do something drastic now in the past, and I've not been a fan of this but in the past, I think Brighton at home is a good example this season he's made changes which made the team completely lopsided so that to me suggests A, he's he's either not convinced with the options or B, he's not really good at taking a, a late gamble in the way that you know Manchester United are traditionally versed on but the point is that he brought on Regalon and Amrabat, and it's like, well, they, they're not going to do anything. So you're not going to. There's no dynamism in there. I mean, Regalon might add something where he was trying to get to the byline, which is a bit different to Dallo, obviously coming inside. He had one shot, didn't he? 
Yeah, oh yeah, no, two actually. One was blocked, yeah. and, and, and they, were, they were both right. Blocked. But yeah, anyway, the, the yeah, they weren't. Uh, there was no great sophistication to the way that Newcastle beat United yesterday, and I think they figured this out earlier on. And it does go back to visits there in the past because United, I think that's their fourth defeat in seven visits there, and all of them followed a similar pattern where. And New- Newcastle, I'm, I'm not doing them too much of a discredit because they've given us some barrings with a stronger compliment. So what they did yesterday was they, they, you know, obviously we all know they're down to the bare bones as well. What they did was, and it's, it was so bad to watch this at Premier League level, to see this play out in the way that you knew it was going to play out, is that they just had a tactic of run with the ball and drag United, count on United's players being indisciplined enough that they're not going to follow you. And they did that so many times that yeah, I actually didn't Especially work. Especially the fullbacks. Yeah, it didn't work at so. first. United, for the first 10 minutes, I said first 10 minutes, when they had their first shot, their their first shot on target in the 11th minute through Garnacho, there was... Only yeah, shot. Well, I, I'm trying to be kind here. It felt, <laughs> it felt like it could have been the first of a ding-dong battle when you got to the 15th minute because it went to uh-huh. the throw for that 15 minutes. But then they cottoned on to our indi- tactical indiscipline and they just started moving us around. Now, obviously, they could have scored a couple before half time using that philosophy because they just kept doing it all the time. And it was down to their, you know, the the poorer players that they've got in the side, or maybe they rush a blood to the head because they didn't expect to get so many chances that they were rushing them a bit, a little bit like Everton were last week. They were rushing the chances that they really could have taken an extra second with because we weren't we weren't in any great um, defensive position to stop them. Maguire and Shaw obviously played quite well to stop a lot of those chances as well, but it didn't take long in the second half because obviously some words were said at half-time where they just said, look, you just need one. You really just need to create one. So drag them all over the place, and they did it. And like I said there, they, they exposed the fullbacks. And it, to see that at Premier League level, Ed, is it's appalling really to see a group of players get done by schoolboy tactics like that because they weren't, there was no sophistication in the passing movement. There was... They didn't have to do anything special to yeah, play they're not there, down. They just they just ran around yeah. and pulled us out of position. And it's so embarrassing to concede goals like that. It really is. It's what well, I mean. You're right that they worked it out that they just needed to create the overloads in wide areas because United didn't didn't have uh, wide forwards uh, supporting their fullbacks. Um, so they create overloads quite a lot. And and I mean they've got two of the best fullbacks in the league in Livramento and and Trippier and. Livermento maybe a right back, but he was perfectly comf- comfortable there. I think he's uh, a great buy for them. I don't want to praise anything Newcastle do because we know how and why. But yeah. but the interesting thing is, I, I know there's been a lot of talk about Newcastle's injury list, but they're really fringe players mostly. I mean, the, the ones that would get Botman clearly would get into the side, and he's he's been excellent, especially in Eddie Howe's system. Don't think, by the way, he'd be very good at United trying to push a bit higher, but that's a different. <laughs> Different discussion. And then obviously Tenali, and really that's their own fault for their lack of due diligence. Yeah. Hey, mate, you had any uh, sly bets on the side that you want to tell us about? No? <laughs> so, Have you been betting um, again? No, no, no. No, yeah, no, 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 not me. No. <laughs> so, it's Fandro Sonali. Yeah, not me. It's. <laughs> no, no, senor. Good grief. I mean, yeah. just. Shocker. I mean, imagine the stick we'd give United if if that yeah. happened. Well, we, I mean, we and right and rightly so. Director of football should go if you do that. You dealing with that badly. I mean, I guess we didn't ask uh, Anthony if he liked hitting his girlfriend or not. 
I know, I was going to say Glasshouse is there, Ed. And also, um, yeah, is, yeah. It, is it Dan Ashworth who's up at Newcastle? I don't think they want he to get is, rid of yeah. him that quickly. Do you know? But no, there, they don't. be a few other clubs <laughs> waiting to, to take him. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And we, yeah, we, we I might mean, be it was, there you're as right. Well. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was basic, basically. Yeah. I mean, they created an overload and they've got probably the best creative fullback in the division i guess some people at liverpool might argue about alexander arnold but uh but you know consistently trippier is is creating a lot of chances and so give him an opportunity for a simple ball in and that's what you get and and you called out anthony gordon on our last pod you praised him wayne so this goal is on you with the simple (laughs) tapping the blame is there to go around every so liberally in fact that even podcasters are getting their responsibility for it yeah Yeah. the Glazers Murta Ten Hag the players Wayne Barton yeah well there you go go. that's my list fair enough (laughs) I didn't know the resentment (laughs) ran so deep Ed but I will endeavour it's all coming out (laughs) I'm quite happy to not praise any opponents and I'll make sure not to make to make that mistake again. No, look, a, I can't even praise the goal because it was so simply worked and we've seen us. I, I wouldn't mind. I have no problem seeing us out, outclassed by a team. No, I, I have a problem with it, but I, I, I can hold my hands up and say, all right, that was a great goal. They, they've done something good to get past us there or they've good, done something well to beat us because they had to put in a lot of but they're the basics. It's a basic performance, basic flows in the performance, and a basic goal to concede. And you, I mean, this is probably going to be the title of the pod, but you know, same but different. Because how many times are we? It's a rerun of everything. And this is this yeah. is my only problem with again to get back to the manager now is that it is right at the point where the fingers have been pointed at the manager because he's got to try and come up with something different. But you have to get over this hurdle with a manager to allow him to move on these players. Now, I remember, um, just because I've been doing some research on it this year, but like you know, through these tips, the Fergie things, it's just a good thing to yeah. bring back on, really, because he was talking about the summer of 89. So he'd been in charge for three years, and he brought in the four players. Now, obviously, four players are just par for the course these days because you're fluffing out your squad and everything like that. But in those days, obviously, it was a significant call because he obviously got rid of Whiteside and McGraw as well, and he was asked about that. It might have been a couple of years later where the thing that I was listening to where he was talking about it and he was talking about how that squad before that moment in time had had too long together and they needed a significant freshen up. So it meant a couple of those big players going in. Now, obviously, we're talking in today's game, we're talking the equivalent of let's say seven players in and maybe even 10 players out. And we have seen those sweeping changes over the last sort of 18 months, but but it's still not enough because you always reach this critical bump in the road and he's always down to that disparity and it's all about getting the players out who nobody else wants because if they outlast another manager, they still get another state of execution and there'll still be some people saying, I know they'll say Martial can still come good. Someone will look at McTominay's form for Scotland and say, well, there's got to be a player in there. So that player gets another six to 12 months time. And you, cause you start with all these questions and then they talk about the, the financial strategy of the owners and these things don't change and neither does putting pressure on the manager and firing him. So the only thing to do 
because I've still like I've still got enough enough credit in the bank for him that I've seen enough that I think all right if we do get that full complement right that there's improvement in there I do want to see more because I'm not bothered about the Champions League qualification this year and, and I've been saying it this week obviously on, on the last pod as well I do want to see more ruthless decisions within the squad now because. Uh, even with his own decisions, because he's obviously he's got to hold his hand up at some point and say, "Look, I've I've made some stinkers with like there's no point bringing on Amrabat to change a game with ten minutes to go. You need to be more bullshit. You need to find different answers to the same questions because the same questions are getting asked all the time. Yeah, but you're not yeah. finding any different answers and you're getting the same results. So something needs to change, and that is on the manager. And this is a period where. Yeah it's fair to ask him those questions and it is a, a thing where me as a supporter, I'm looking at it thinking, no, I want to see some answers now because the answers that we're seeing are just, they're just nowhere near good enough, are they really? So. Right. I mean, he's going to have to come up with something else. We've lost half of our games. We've lost 10 games across all competitions this season. So, I mean, if his strategy is to wait till everyone's fit and hope it all comes good, uh, hope yeah. not being much of a strategy is not very good. So he's going to have to have to find some solutions there. So you, are you telling me that in the winter of 2025 that Antonio Conte is not going to be picking Martial up front for United then? No. Well, yeah, you couldn't rule it out with the, the process. But, <laughs> no, no, but, but it is a, the point, the prevailing point is that injuries always happen anyway, right? So it, you're always going to have injuries. It's very rare you're going to have a full season with the same squad. So that excuse runs for so long. And it runs, the reason why he's got as much credit in the bank now from, from me is because the players don't have credit in the bank. So I've seen enough from that. Most of them, most people have seen enough from the players to make a kind of judgment. He isn't in the same place that we are because he's not seen them. He's seen them closer than what we have, but not for as long as what we have. So like in matters of adversity and runs of form like this, what their reactions are like. We know what their reactions are like, but he doesn't. He's figuring that out, unfortunately. He's, right. he, he He's watching it for the first time and we're all seeing the reruns. We can't do anything about it yeah. because there's a transfer window that's not open. And I suspect that while the financial situation remains as it is, if the if it doesn't get sorted and he's not given uh, funds and we don't get a capital injection, then it might be the same kind of last dash it will be. It'll be loans. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's not good. Yeah. He's got a big squad. I mean, he, he has spent the best part of 400 million. I mean, that's not all his fault. I think a lot of that's on the club for overpaying for some players, but because of the, the high levels of spending over the last three years on this three, three year cycle, United are tight on FFP. I don't have a calculation in front of me, but seems to be the assumption that, um, and so. I guess if there's any movement in, in the January window, it'll either be Reggie on stays because uh, they're still not sure Malesi is fit. I don't think that's going to make some shocking difference to United and maybe alone, but there won't be much more than that. I, I wouldn't think unless the deal with Ineos is, is cleared soon and out of the goodness of his heart, big Jim. Big Sir Jim decides to inject up to 105 million um, and convert that to equity at some point. It would make this still even more complicated, but yeah, sure, it's not out of the realms of possibility. And then Ten Hag would have that headroom to go spend some money 
But he's still, I don't see it happening. I'd be really shocked if it does, and I don't trust the club to go spend it correctly. Uh, but even with all all of those factors as well, the, the players have to be right. It has to be a and don't get me wrong. At this moment in time, it's not difficult to find significant upgrades for for the players. In I mean, in terms of rejuvenation, they don't always have to be a better player. They just have to be a better player for the moment sometimes. And it, it comes back to even the, the you said Regalon there. What what you lose by sending him back and gain by bringing Fernandez back? Um, I'm not saying he's any particularly any better, but you get things um, that aren't monitored by everything else, which is crowd reaction and things like that. Where you might have a little bit more patience from the fans, you might have more of a people be more inclined. We all want to see Manu play very well, so we're all behind him and we're like, you know, so if he makes a few mistakes, you're like, oh, well, he's, he's in his first few games, but we know he's got the quality. He's got the backing of the fans. He's not going to lose us, whereas Amrabat, there's a few people already indifferent to him because it's like, what, are you, what is he adding to the team that isn't better in Manu, basically? And that, those are the kind of things that you're looking at. And then the, the players who come in, they do have to be significant upgrades, don't they? So, yeah. at this this point, yeah, having an, an, another squad player is is no good. Yeah, so I mean, since we're talking about it, that that there are there are open questions on some moves in January. So, like outbound, like what is the situation with Rafa Varan and Casemiro? Obviously, a lot of chatter about them in Saudi Arabia. Would United do those deals if there was enough money on the table? Would they re- recycle that money to go? dive into the transfer market in some way there's i don't think there's anyone out on loan who's a significant like upgrade that we could bring back in well there is someone who should not be named who scored an absolute screamer for his loan club the oh. other day but that's not going to happen um, and then there's a question about Jaden sancho and could they get anything for him because his value is decreasing by the week so I don't, I don't think it does Sancho any good, honestly. Pitch it out in night. I'm not, I'm not a luddite about this, but pitch it out in nightclubs, picking up his 350 grand a week while the United is struggling is not the awesome look, mm. is it? But anyway, I get, I guess there's not. There's a few questions on outgoings. I don't think there's going to be anything significant coming in. Tainhart's going to have to fix this problem by finding a different answer to how United are playing. And hoping that when he gets Martinez back, which could be, which is going to be in the next couple of weeks, isn't it? Or at least maybe some sub appearance in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and Casemiro, maybe a bit later, maybe they'll, maybe they'll help him turn this around. He's going to have to though, because while like you, I'm behind him and I can see the bigger picture here. When we get new management in, Jean-Claude Blanc, uh, Perhaps, perhaps Paul Mitchell on the transfer side. Yeah. Maybe something happens with Murtar, who, uh, I don't know, people would be whispering to me that he's not really around the club much at the moment. And, uh, like, people could have a different view, can't they? Right. So that new management might go, actually, 10 defeats in all competitions this season. It's kind of untenable. Uh, not that I'm saying that I think that's true. I'm no, but, but yeah, people may have that view. Obviously, you bring in, and this is the problem with change: is that it begets more change, doesn't it? Like really, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I've been thinking about this because I was thinking about the fact that you know Newcastle have done the same thing to us multiple times in the past. Surely, better preparation. I'm talking. About, I'm talking about the the ownership structure as well, coming in and sort of seeing things and saying, "Oh, like oh, well, on the face of it." Because it, it's an easy trap to fall into. To look at 
this situation and go, oh, well, the manager started well, but he's lost the squad, so it's time to make a change. Because that's what the, the person coming in is automatically inclined to think, because that's a normal footballing situation. I don't think United are a normal footballing situation because of, first of all, the size of the club and the demands on the players and the spotlight that's on the players. But secondly, because we've been around this block so many times. And it is actually comparable in a situation with the Newcastle result because you just need, and I don't know why there isn't anyone on the football inside next to Tenorg who's doing this. Maybe there's just no one who's been employed for long enough or no one just thinks about it. Like maybe this is, falls into Darren Fletcher's remit. I don't know. But someone to talk to him about where it's gone wrong at Newcastle in the past, in these recent defeats, how have we lost here? Why has it been so poor? Why have we been so limp in all of these games? There's a common thread. It was present yesterday. It's why we lost yesterday. I'm not saying that you can eradicate that problem, but you can ask questions of the players to make sure that some of those, so you don't lose in the same way. You can lose honestly. Mm. You can, you can lose to the same kind of goal if you want. If right, if that was the one time Rashford and Marcel switched off. And, and I know you're quite right. It doesn't come from Rashford's side, but he, or Martial's side, but he does in terms of the way that they move the ball around. Cause they only need to find one spare player and move it there. And that's what they do every single time. And uh, what they did every single time and what, what good thinking teams do against us. And you could have avoided that yesterday. You could have avoided that just by saying to Marcus, I know that this isn't what you normally do. In fact, you quite clearly dislike doing it. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. our analysis of every defeat of Newcastle uh, against Newcastle shows that these common threads are they work harder than us and they're not particularly better than us. So they, they're getting the victory from somewhere. There's a common thread there and it's the working order and the responding to situations, um, in a more dynamic way. And you've not been doing it for these games. So you need to, if you're not going to respond in a more dynamic way, you just need to be a little bit more diligent and track your runners. It's not that difficult yeah. to, to, to get that into a player's head. It shouldn't be that difficult. And that, by the way, I am, I do give the players the responsibility, but that is the responsibility of the management because they can do that preparation and they clearly did not. Which leads you to think, like, what are you doing then when we've seen these patterns? Because we've seen them, and or maybe the management hasn't. Maybe this is the first time they're experiencing them. No, no, they they will have seen it. They'll have had the video sessions before the game, the tactical session, and I, I don't doubt that for a moment. I mean, they've got a, a large coaching staff there. I, I don't know. Not, if it, not only the people on the bench, well, but yeah. Well, maybe the penny so. hasn't dropped for that accountability. No. Then maybe because I mean, I'm I'm talking about. I'm not sure about Ragnik. No, Ragnik, it was a draw. But Mourinho suffered a similar defeat there. Solskjaer suffered a similar defeat there. And maybe there's been enough t- uh, turnover. And obviously, we were battered there last season under Ten Hag. Well, there's been enough turnover of coaches and players that maybe there's not enough of a common thread in there to say this is the way that we're always beaten there. Because like last season, they could have yeah. come up with excuses, you know, like, oh, there's a few injuries. Oh, it was a couple of weeks after the cup final and they had the tails up for it. You know, that all of those excuses that go on when there's a, a culture of a lack of accountability that we've talked about because they want to blame everything apart from the, the proof of the pudding. When, when defeats are this common and this frequent of this nature, it's obviously something to do with accountability. And, and that does, we've given it to the players so much in terms of the responsibility, but it can only happen so many times before 
the management and coaching stuff. And this is where we are. Yeah. This is where we are, really, isn't it? This is the point in time where we're at that point. Well, that, that accountability and that, that's kind of the point I was making about new new management coming in, right? We're going to get, I think, I mean, not only partial new owners, but a new managing director to replace Richard Arnold. Looks like that's going to be Jean-Claude Blanc, who's at Juventus, Paris Saint-Germain, part of the Ineos group. We may get Paul Mitchell in as director of football or maybe on the... Uh, the transfer side of things that's a bit unclear right and we've we've got new partial owners right and and that may well if we could ask for anything that may well change their culture of accountability at united because we've we've talked about this over and over again yeah. there is there is no punishment for failing on the pitch now people have left if they haven't done like yeah pe- people have left executives have left in fact there was quite a lot of turnover in the last sort of two years of high ranking executives that that's about other things. That's not about results on the pitch, and and it's kind of been the culture of the club for the past eighteen years, or at least since Ferguson left, retired. Yeah, that uh, you know, results on the pitch don't impact what we can do off it. To quote Edward Wood, and and yeah, it, it seeps into everything. And I'm sure new ownership. Well, I'm hoping new ownership will address some of that problem. Now they're going to have to get it righter than. United have got if it's about like moving players in and out, or at least partly about that, because United have been just shockingly poor at doing that. Yeah. Just shockingly poor. Um and that's why yesterday we had at least three players who the manager wanted to move on last summer in the team. And you know, as I said, different levels of performance there, but but it all comes down to the same sort of lack of accountability and, and lack of sort of quality in, in uh how we structure the football club. Yeah. Now, Wayne, we've got a, a, just an unbelievable fixture list for December. Have you have you seen what's coming up? It's quite long. <laughs> yes, uh, it's quite long, and it's quite brutal in terms of the quality of teams we're playing. And I really do worry about this. Like, you could look at that list and go, "There's, I can see four, maybe five defeats in that list." Yeah, it's yeah, and that that will just r- ramp up the pressure. Because I don't think anything's going to shockingly change on the. I mean, maybe we get, maybe, maybe we get um, Martinez back before Christmas. Everyone else is going to be afterwards, by the looks of it. So, or maybe Mount. I don't know how long Mount's out for exactly, but that fixture list just unbelievable. We start with Chelsea on Wednesday. Obviously, they're not in an awesome position at the moment, although I think they won today, didn't they? I think so. And they beat Brighton. I was checking They were, as I was looking at it. Yeah. So at Chelsea, Bournemouth, well, you kind of hope. Munich, that's the big one. Liverpool away. God, I'm not Hmm? not looking forward to that. Hmm? I don't know about you. (laughs) No, 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 I'm not. (laughs) No. No. West Ham away. Aston Villa at home are obviously playing pretty well at the moment. Villa, Forest away, okay, that may be a guinea. That's and that's before the end of, jeez, yeah, before the end of the turn of the year. It's a tough, it's a tough gig, and Ten Hag is going to have to find some creative solutions here. I don't know what they are. Yeah, you know, I'm, I've tried to be positive, and even in this podcast about it, I've tried to look on the positive side. But it is when you when you present it like that. Fixtures and momentum of fixtures and results can outrun 
a manager's chances. It doesn't matter about foot yeah. and they're getting players back and everything like that. Yeah. It's all about momentum in football. You don't often have an opportunity to look at a much bigger picture. That's the manager arguing his case. And some of us might, I might be inclined to agree with him, but you can only go so far with that because you know that it starts to erode into everything else. And, and the eroding is if he gets a full squad of players back, do they believe in him to be able to carry it forward? And we've been there a few times and we know like with Mourinho, it wasn't, we weren't able to do that with Ole. Probably we'd reach that point as well. With David Moyes, it had certainly happened. Not so much with Van Gaal. That was in multiple different reasons, but probably not that yeah. one. Even though the players might have lost a bit of faith in him overall. But we are... I, it's difficult to tell with this squad because they've shown capabilities of... I'm not going to sit down in tools because I think that's all. But they've shown capabilities of looking like they don't care when a manager's under, under pressure and or showing pride in the performances. They've shown capabilities of feeling sorry for themselves when they're in a crisis and looking for something else to pull them out of the crisis rather than themselves. And nothing generally happens apart from a kind of fixture list, right? That's the only thing that ever... Either all the players come back and, and a kind of fixture list. Those two things will combine for an upturning fortune for United because I don't really have much faith in the manager's capability to magic something from this squad. So it will need players back. But is he chasing that too fast before this set of fixtures? Because I don't think we'll get a positive result against Bayern. Probably think a narrow loss against Bayern. Because I think I'd, I still think we are in that mirroring stage. You know what we've talked about before, where they're always close enough to an opponent. But I, I think... I worry about the Liverpool one because we've been battered there on our last two visits. We could, this could be just as bad. And we're talking like four or five. I ain't saying that. I really do, but it could, it could be, and it wouldn't be a surprise. And then, I mean, I don't yeah. know then if, it, can you survive to, because really losing five nil at home to Liverpool is a sackable result. On on its own, uh, you you obviously uh, do put uh, many clubs. It would be yeah. yeah. It's, well, it, it is. I mean, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm talking about at the top clubs. At the top clubs, if something, if you've lost five nil at home to Liverpool, and there is something wrong, I'm not discounting them, but obviously it's a sign of deep malaise, and it was that for Ollie, and he wasn't, um, he wasn't sacked as a result of that, but it, it was a consequence of that, um, without doubt. Losing seven nil to. So them at Anfield only wasn't because we'd won a cup the, the week before and generally we were in an upwards trajectory and it would have felt like a, a really knee-jerk reaction to a single result in isolation. But if it's a scoreline of four or above, then you do need to... Or, you know, I would start to look at it and think, are we at that time running out thing? Is it too late for him to turn it around in that? Is the pressure too great and everything? And I worry about that because I still believe, like, and I've believed this with other managers before, and I've given the benefit of the doubt and everything like that, that I've still got faith in him to turn it around, given the opportunity to do the harder work that every single manager is going to need to have to be do- doing around the 18-month mark. Yeah. But it is a case of surviving that result and, and, and trying to do something different finding that that solution that avoids something like that because if you find the solution that gets us a draw 
or even a win, then you look at it and think, well, he might have got something up his sleeve here that makes you think, gives you more faith in the plan B. And that plan B yeah. is more in, it's, it's equally in his ability to do it. And, and secondly, in his ability to galvanize it from this squad who don't look like they're capable of doing right. it. So yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, before that, it's those three. It's it's Liverpool away, it's Bayern at home, it's West Ham away. I look at those three and I'm like pretty worried about that just in terms of like creating momentum. But before that, it's Chelsea at home on Wednesday night. And like Chelsea's such a weird side, yeah. aren't they? They've spent all this money over what two transfer windows under the boat, two or three? three. It's two. Two, two. Three, is it? Summer, winter, summer. Three, yeah, yeah. I guess it, so. it was. They did start last summer, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah. They spent all this money, and like they're still trying to work out what the best shape of the side is. I think, yeah, Pochettino. That like really mixed results, but they got a good result today. I haven't seen the game against Brighton. Like, Conor Gallagher got sent off, and they still managed to win against a good Brighton side. Yeah, albeit a Brighton side that played on Thursday night. And away from home, it uh, could well have impacted them. It's impacted yeah. plenty of teams before playing in the Europa League. So I don't know like how to benchmark that result. I think mostly Chelsea's results have been very, very mixed. And uh, they've had a lot of problems with goal scoring. Nicholas Jackson looks good, but doesn't score goals. Yeah. So that's a problem, right? We've had some problems with goal scoring, at least in the Premier League. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I don't know. I can't exactly say what kind of pattern this is is going to like um, play out in either because yeah, I know what Pochettino's sides normally look like. Chelsea are not quite that. Yeah, from what I've seen of them, and they're not quite as intense uh, as we once we might have expected. Uh, but I think a lot of that is to do with like they've been in a permanent transitional mode for the last two years. Yeah. Um, and just uh, trying to work out what they are. They made this very bizarre decision to get rid of all their goalkeepers and bring in Robert Sanchez, who wasn't good enough for Brighton and who's not been very good this season. I don't know about today, but uh, that was kind of a weird one. And then I, I dare you to pick an 11 for Chelsea because I don't think you could. <laughs> no, I'm certainly not going to be predicting any of their players to do well, I'll tell you that, or saying any of them are any good either. No, they are. Although Enzo Fernandez did score twice today and has been playing well. Stop it. He's a good player. Well, you can blame <laughs> yourself then because I don't, if he does well against us, I'm not taking the accountability for that. In keeping with the culture of lack of accountability, I'm not taking responsibility for that one. Now, it's difficult <laughs> to see a pattern with this Chelsea side. They're the most, and look, this, they've undergone many transitions in the Premier League era. Like they were the first team who really embraced the Bosman. Ruling when they they got brought in Ole and scores of players in the mid nineties and and then obviously the Abramovich and then these sort of post Mourinho years where they've undergone like massively wild so he I mean with the Mourinho style squad Ancelotti turned them into a team that scored hundred goals and looks like one of the the team that won in oh nine ten were one of the best. Premier League champions, and, and I know they won the title by scoring an offside goal at Old Trafford, but Drogba was unbelievable yeah. that, that season. They were unbel- they were a great side that season, and then there's been these so like the Conte years and and the Mourinho return and everything like that. And it does feel like the least recognisable 
Chelsea team because the one thing I always thought with the Chelsea team pre-Mourinho was, well, they got this kind of cultural flair about them in the Premier League and then it became about resilience and um, this feeling that they they didn't have the flair but you had this resilience and this feeling that they'd never lose, which you probably want more in the championship winning side, that, that kind of resilience. And they've had that ever since, really, up until this last sort of two or three years where they've been a bit of a... Or really, the, from Lampard's first time in charge there, where they, they've looked like they're trying to find their identity and the deeper into that identity crisis than there ever have been. And I'm not saying this like, again, someone in a glass house throwing stones because I know they're wearing a similar thing. I think at least the the good thing with United is we know what we want to be. We're just nowhere near it. Whereas Chelsea, as a team who have been quite happy to change their identity so many times, don't yeah. don't quite know what they want to be. And I don't even think they even know if they want to be what Pochettino wants a team to be, which is where you've got this giant mix. Because you've obviously you've got everything above uh, Pochettino where they all have different ideas of what they want the club to be. That's a benefit for anyone who plays against Chelsea because if a club and team don't know what they want to be, it gives you an opportunity to impose your own style. Oh, for sure. Unfortunately, we are not in a team in a position where we can impose our own style because we are the well, like a chameleon side, aren't we? We just adapt to the craziness of the surroundings, which is it was part of the course against them. Was it late April or early May when we played them at Old Trafford? It was a, that was a mad game, and yeah. I expect I don't expect us to win handsomely in the week's game and I'm not saying I expect us to win what I expect to see is a game that won't make any sense and we probably will get that it's probably the most predictable thing you can get from that because it's difficult to see with this United side they'll probably have their head down feeling sorry for themselves and Chelsea what was the most consistent thing you could say about this Chelsea is that they've got a good record at Old Trafford they've always had a good record at Old Trafford Historically, yeah, not last time. I was, what was it for? It was 4-1, wasn't yeah. it, last time? Yeah. yeah. I don't really expect that because we just, well, except in the Champions League, don't seem to score a lot of goals uh, this season. So I, I think I think in terms of identity, the for better or worse, the Bowley regime that has come in have tried to buy younger players who they think have some kind of long-term value. Obviously, they... Try to do this accounting trick where they uh, stuck everyone on eight-year contracts. We'll see whether that works for them. The risk with that is they get a bunch of players who are not very good and they can't get out. So, yeah, who knows? But uh, it, it seems to be they're going after younger players and trying to pick out sort of high-potential players from around Europe. We'll see how they do that one. It's obviously had a mixed bag of results so far. But uh, it would be at least in keeping with what Pochettino has historically done, you know, at least with that sort of Spurs side through to 2019 or something. Yeah, that he tried to do. Yeah, I I have I have so few predictions for how I think this will play out, just because of the amount of change in both both camps and his uh, desperate lack of form yeah. uh, makes it very hard to kind of. Say I I know there's a, a predictable pattern for this game. Yeah, could be the single most unpredictable game of the season, really. Yeah, while we were talking, looking up looking up the models. No, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say any of that. <laughs> no. oh, okay, don't want to jinx it. <laughs> oh, that bad? It's that bad. Come on, United, just give us something to believe in. <laughs> 